Good morning, church. Won't you stand this morning? Before we get started, I just wanted to share a scripture that was been on my heart. Psalms chapter 95, it says this. It says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Amen. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Amen. Aren't you glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen. We've waited for this day. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with you.
worthy, isn't he, church? Do you believe that this morning? Have you come with an expectant heart this morning? You know, the Bible doesn't say anything about just that worship right here, but it says lift hands. You know, because what the word says is God inhabits the praises of his people. You understand what that means? He inhabits the praises. That means the more praise that goes up, the more God comes down. Amen. He's worthy this morning, church. Oh, 
that may be way loud for me. Um, but I love it. I love that he's the only one that can. And every time I hear that song, it reminds me he's the only one that can. Amen. I was just seeking God this week. What is it? What is it you want us to know and hear and say? I always want to know what God has to say because his words matter. His words mean something. His words can do what our words don't do and can't do. Amen. So I always want his word. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my, then I go down to 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just feel like, you know, the enemy comes in all the time and tries to put burdens on us that aren't ours to carry. He tries to put all kinds of burdens. The word says he seeks whom he can devour. And when we're weary, he has an opportunity to come in and get a hold of us even more, right? He can come in and move in ways because we're not, we're tired and we're not on guard and we're not watching. And so God's just saying, if you're weary, come to me today. If you need something, come to me today. Cast aside, another scripture says, cast down the weight and the sin that so easily besets us because there's a great cloud of witnesses around us. So he says, cast aside those weights that we carry because they're not ours to carry. Amen. I just know that God's saying today, just come into his presence. Come into him. Come right now close to him. And let him take the burden and the weariness that the world and those around are trying to put on us and our enemy. And as we just draw near to him right now in this time, he's just going to begin to lift things. I just believe that. I believe he wants to lift those things off of us. He wants to refresh and restore and, and get us ready to go forward. Amen.
across this building. Come on. Come on. Let's lift our hands all across this building. Come on. Lord, we invite you into this house today, Lord. Not to this building, but God, into our hearts today. God, may your presence, Lord, change us today. God, we've come with expectation of what you're going to do. God, this word, Lord, Noel, Lord, it, it, it's derived from the Latin to be born. But, but in French, Lord, it means to be born and, and it can be translated the good news, Lord. And when you came to earth, Lord, you brought the good news. Lord, you changed everything. So, Lord, we give you honor and praise today because you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. Come on. Can you lift your hands? Can you open your mouth all across this building? I don't want to legislate your praise today. But can you just give him adoration in the house today? He's worthy. He's worthy of all honor and all glory. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on and give Jesus a big hand clap of praise in this house today. Come on, give him your best praise today. <laughs> Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Look at your neighbor. Give him a fist bump and say, it's good to see you today. You guys look great today. How many had a great Thanksgiving? All right. How many ate too much at Thanksgiving? All right. Put me in that category. I, I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, what a great uh, entry into the Christmas season um, coming in. And I want to say thank you to everybody uh, who helped us decorate. Can we give a hand to everybody who helped decorate? Isn't it beautiful? And I might add, if there's something that's off up here, I probably did it. So I was, that was probably me. But if it looks good, it's probably someone else, just so you know. So if it looks bad, you can just blame it on me. Because I just don't have the eye. I, I'm good for moving things and trying, to, but uh, someone has to always, my wife follows me and cleans up my, my mess behind me. So you guys look good today. Well, there's a lot of people that are gone today. Some are with family. Uh, some are playing it safe today, just staying home. And we, uh, during this time, we ask that if you, if you show any kind of symptoms, fever, sickness whatsoever, please stay home. Watch the service online. And uh, we ask that you do that. But it's so good to see you today. If you are a guest with us today, uh, my name is, is TJ, and I'm the pastor here. And I want to personally welcome you today and uh, give honor to you today. We are so glad that you're here. Come on home, folks. Can we give all of our guests a welcome today? What an honor uh, to have you uh, here, here today. And uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. It's been a busy week. 
And uh, what a great uh, week, uh, Thanksgiving. You guys survived. How many did some Black Friday shopping? Did anybody go out? All right, a few people went out and braved the, the Black Friday crowds. And uh, it's a little bit different this year than it has been in years past. I kind of noticed that. I, I didn't really go out, but I got in the midst of it just going out. Does that make sense when you're going out and doing normal things? And I got in the midst of that, and I had to go to Lowe's, and boy, that was a mistake. There was a lot of people in there, and, uh, but I got what I needed and got out of there. Uh, but uh, I pray that your Thanksgiving was great, and uh, what an honor it is. And I, I, today, I just felt inclined, and over the next uh, few weeks, I'll probably be speaking on this, unless the Lord changes, changes my mind, which he does periodically. Uh, but I'm going to just kind of lead into this Christmas season. I felt like that God is kind of prompting uh, me to do some teaching and some uh, and preaching on worship, and we're going to start today with with the with a typical, well, not a typical, but I want to talk about the Lord's presence today. And uh, the title of what I'm going to talk about today is the promise of His presence. The promise of His presence. Everyone, look at your neighbor and say, "The promise of His presence." So as I was preparing um, for this, I I really just. I, I, just begin to ask the Lord. I just said, Lord, will you just lead and guide me, Lord? Because uh, I don't feel like that we need another sermon, Lord, but I feel like that we need an ordained message from you. And, uh, and I, I began to look up some, some quotes, and I found this, this quote, um, and this is by Oswald Smith, and it simply says this, The world does not need sermons. It needs a message. Amen? You can go to seminary and learn how to preach sermons, but you have to go to God to get messages. And boy, that was just fitting for me, and I just feel that in my heart. I uh, feel that down in my bones today. I know that's an old, old-fashioned way of saying that, but I feel that deep down in my bones today. And, uh, but uh, I want to talk to you today on the promise of his presence. I love the presence of the Lord. And uh, in the Old Testament, they would refer to the presence of the Lord as the kabod. And that literally means the weightiness of God, the, the heaviness of God. When you're in the presence of God, how many have experienced the presence of God in your life? If you have, raise your hand for me. All right. The weightiness of God, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it just amazes me. And I, when I think about the presence of God, I can't help but, but get excited you know, when you, when you think about getting into the presence of God and going into the presence of God, uh, it's amazing to me, and it's and, and and something that we should desire as a people and something that we should uh, try to do each and every day, not just on Sunday, not just four worship songs, and then that's not, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with what we do. But listen, what, the reason we do that, the reason that we worship the Lord is to allow the presence. Matt said it great today. He said uh, that God inhabits the praise of his people. So when the praises go up, when we begin to praise God, the kabod, the weightiness and the presence of God begins to come down on us. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I want the presence of God in my life. And I pray that you do too. Have you ever perceived someone was watching you, but you didn't know where from, but you just felt it? Anybody ever been there before? Like the old song, somebody's watching you, right? All right. I was talking to Tristan last night, and, 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 we, and she reminded me that uh, when our kids were little, you know, uh, she would be sleeping, 
And they would come into our room. They would wake up. And she said she would be sitting there, and she could just feel just eyes on her. And then she'd open her eyes, and there would be a set of eyes just looking at her. Any of you moms can relate. All you dads, I know what you guys did. You guys just slept right on through it, right? They have to, like, tap you on the head and hit you on the nose to wake you up, right? But have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like somebody was watching you and, 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 and you know, and maybe, maybe you didn't know it, but then you opened your eyes and you're like, whoa, okay, didn't see you there, right? My brother, uh, odd fact about my brother, if you ever meet him, is when he sleeps, like if he falls asleep in the car, you have to be, wake him up very gingerly because if you, if you like slap him, he will come up swinging, no lie. So, I mean, literally, you have to be like, hey, buddy, hey, but you got to, like, wake him up really easy. And that's just so in case you're ever around my brother when he's asleep. So now you know. Okay, everyone, you're safe now. Okay. But here's what I know. Uh, uh, have you ever, when you, when you think about us, the presence of somebody, what about this? And this may be your case. Uh, how many have lost a loved one in your life before? And, and there are moments when we lose people in our lives and we begin to think about their presence. This week, I thought about my grandma, my wife's uh, grandmother, Bledsoe, and, and around Thanksgiving and Christmas, I always begin to think about her because she just always did such a good job when we'd go over to her house just setting things out. It was just great. She was sweet. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have a grandma or had a grandma like that, okay? And she, everything was just set proper, and, uh, and I begin to think about her, and I begin to miss her presence, and I thought, and, and many of you probably could feel the same way. You could probably say, man, if I could just have one more day with my mom or one more day with my grandma or one more day with my dad. I miss them, the presence. Uh, I miss them being around. Presence, P-R-E-S-E-E-N-C-E, -E -E -E, okay? Not T-S, okay? Not the ones you give away at Christmas. Presence, their, their proximity around you. Uh, and here's what we know. As believers, we kind of get in our rhythm of life, and we neglect spending any time in the Lord's presence. And I say as a church, sometimes if we're not careful, uh, we, we just kind of get in this rut. But what I love about God's presence is this. Here's one thing that God's presence does. It changes us. You can't help but be changed in the presence of God. That's why some people are scared of the presence of God. It changes us. Here's what, what else it does. It, it, it gives us a reset in our hearts. How many have ever had a bad attitude? You get in the presence of God and you come out and you have a reset. Your whole frame of mind has changed. Your heart has changed, right? It, reset, it resets us. And, and here's what I know. I can always tell that I need to spend time with God by my attitude. You want a litmus test on if you need to spend time with God? Check your attitude. If something makes you mad that shouldn't make you mad, you probably need to spend time with the Lord. If you get mad because someone put their buggy in front of you at the grocery store when you should have had the right away, you might need to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. I'm talking to myself here, okay? If you get mad because somebody was very slow at the yielding green and you missed the light, you may need to spend some time in the presence of the Lord. I'm just talking to myself right, right now, okay? No one else in the building. Nobody else gets mad, right? 
But if, if I'm mad or I'm upset over something trivial, you know what that tells me? I haven't spent time in the presence of the Lord. And as believers, I think we have to be very, very careful because it's so easy to get into our routine. I want you to do this. Think back. And I, and I believe and I pray that everyone in here, and if you aren't, I pray that you come to know Jesus. But think back to the day that you were saved. Think back to what, how you felt the day that you were saved. Think back to the presence of God that you felt the day you were saved. I remember the day that I got saved. I was saved at a very young age. But I remember just weeping in the presence of God. I didn't understand it maybe completely in my mind. I don't know. I was eight years old. But all I knew is that I felt the presence of God and I knew that I needed a Savior. Now, at eight years old, I don't know what kind of sins you commit, but, but whatever. At that point in my life, I knew I needed Jesus, and his presence changes us. Ever look at your neighbor and say, his presence changes us. And more than anything, I want his presence in my life, and as, our, as a church, as a body of believers, we need to seek his presence in our lives and in our church. Amen? Amen. All right. Good. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. And this is what we need to know. Not just on Sunday. This is the day we have primed to seek his presence. But let me tell you something. It's a lot harder on Monday when you got to get up and go to work. And on Tuesday and on Wednesday, you're just like, Lord, just get me through the day, right? But. We have to seek his presence each and every day. And today I just want to talk to you about this, the promise of his presence. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy. God, we thank you for your presence. God, your presence changes us. God, I ask today, Lord, that your spirit would hover in this place. Lord, that it would go up and down the aisles today. Lord, that it would begin to soften hearts today. God, I ask, Lord, that your spirit would lead and guide me today. God, give me the words to speak. Not, God, not of my own, but from you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for each and everything that's accomplished. And everyone said, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus, the, 33, uh, the 33rd chapter, verse 14. And uh, if, how many brought your Bible today? All right. Some of you got your phones. How many brought your old-fashioned Bible that doesn't need a battery? All right. Good, good, good. That's good, too. If you brought your Bible on your phone, that's good, too. Okay? As long as you have the Bible. Exodus 33, verse 14, and it says this. And he said... My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Let's read it again. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. All right, two things. We're going to talk about two things today, uh, and these are going to be my notes. I'm going to break it down, but two two. Two things, and number one is this, the results of his presence with us. The results of his presence with us, that's number one. Number two is this, 
the reason for his presence, okay? Those are the two things we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to break those down as we go through them. But number one is this, the results of his presence with us. Now, where, the scripture that I read here, can you put, put that back up there for me? And it said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Sometimes, uh, you know, we're always looking for a great message from the Lord, and sometimes they come in very, very small packages. Dynamite comes in small packages, right? But when you read a verse like this, it's so easy to just read right over it and not even understand it. But in this text right here, we know that uh, if you know anything about this story in the 33rd chapter is where Israel and uh, uh, Moses is the leader of Israel. And he's up at Mount Sinai and he is chilling with God for 40 days. He's up there resting with God and God has given him. He's downloading information to Moses. He's telling him how to build the tabernacle. He's telling him how how to do and he's given him uh, uh, the Ten Commandments. There's a lot of stuff going on. The download was happening fast, okay? You know, the cloud, this was the original cloud coming down right here. God was downloading into Moses. And Moses is up on the mountain all by himself, Mount Sinai. And there in the valley is the children of Israel under the great leader of Aaron. And Aaron is down there. And in the process of them being away from their leader Moses, something begins to happen in the camp of Israel. And they begin to build idol, an idol, an idol that is a calf. And they they pull all their gold together and create this idol. They begin to worship this idol while Moses is spending time up there. So this is, this is the setting. So Moses is up there on the mountain, and in the process of this, God, in the middle of downloading all this information to Moses, he basically just hits the halt button and says, hey, the people of Israel right now, you need to go check on your people, Moses, because they're, they're doing something that, that they shouldn't be doing. And so when Moses goes down and checks and he finds out that they're, that they're worshiping this idol, he's like, what are you guys doing? Now, you got, mind you, Moses had just spent 40 days in the presence of God. I don't know about you. I don't know if we could physically handle spending 40 days in the presence of God. The Bible says that God walked past him. Matter of fact, uh, a, few, a few verses later in, 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 in verse 18 in this chapter, Moses says this to God. Show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. But, but God, he passes by. Moses asks him, he said, Lord, can you just pass by? And God says, I'll tell you what. No man can look at me, but I'm going to pass by you. But I'm going to pass by you, and all you're going to see is my hinder parts. Because you can't see my face and live, but I'm going to just let you. And in the process of God just kind of walking by, being like. Moses' face begins to glow. Pretty amazing, right? So that's the context of where we're at. So the results of his presence with us. This is what I know. When we have the presence of God in our lives, here's number one. Point number one on point number one, okay? If you're following me. Point number one on point number one is this. The results of his presence with us is this. Direction. How many have ever been lost? I felt like my first month here, I was lost. Because there's so many back roads and country roads and so many things. And then I I put things in my GPS. And I, I, I went the other day down to... To Orleans with with Jeremy and, and his family, and I put it in my GPS, and it took me the most wonkiest way in the world. 
and I was passing houses. I passed an Amish school. I didn't even know that existed. They were out at recess. And I saw all these Amish houses, and I thought, I've never seen this country. But I, was, I wasn't lost, but I didn't know where I was at. But have you ever been lost? Have you ever needed directions? When I was growing up, my parents dropped me and my brother and sister off uh, to get a weekend away. And they dropped us off at my Uncle Joe's. And my Uncle Joe has, has four boys and one, one daughter. And so there was eight kids. And he decided, they had the bright idea, uh, to take us all to Six Flags. Now, mind you, I was probably four years old at the time. I think that's right. Maybe. Four years old. And so we all get in his van. Man, how illegal is that now? We all got into his big old van, and we, it was one of those big vans, you know, the ones that had the captain chairs and all that. Anyways, so we get in his van, and they take us to Six Flags. And when we got to Six Flags, we were running around, and everybody was doing this. And I remember as a four-year-old being mesmerized by the roller coasters and the rides, just, just being there. I didn't really ride them because I was so little. I was probably more scared to to ride them, but I remember stopping, and all of us stopping, and I remember looking up at a roller coaster and watching it do like a loop-de-loop as a kid, and while I was looking at this roller coaster, and I was mesmerized by this roller coaster, I looked beside me, and I looked beside me, and everybody that was with me is gone. What did I do? As a four-year-old, I did what every four-year-old should do. I started crying and didn't know where my parents were. Uncle Joe lost me. And when I began to cry, I caught the heart of probably a, like a 16 or 17-year-old girl who just happened to see me there crying. And she just said, are you okay? Do you need help? I'm like, I'm lost. And I can't find my uncle, and I don't know where my cousins are. And she picks me up, and she does what any smart person does. She takes me to the lost and found. <laughs> no, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And so there I am, and, and they take me to the lost and found, and they have me in this, like, little room with, I don't know, someone from Six Flags. And they gave me some pictures to color. They got me settled down and probably gave me a snack. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, this is my new life. I live at Six Flags now. And I'm coloring and going there. And, and out of nowhere, I remember I, I felt it was like we were in like a caboose. It, I, it was weird. I, don't, I, don't, I just remember it was like a, And I remember someone stepping up on the step of the caboose. And I remember seeing my Uncle Joe's face pop up in the window. And never in my life was I so happy to see my Uncle Joe because I thought, I'm found. Still to this day, I tell my Uncle Joe all the time, and one day he'll probably come here and speak for us. But I tell him all the time, Uncle Joe, I love you, and I'm named after him, but you lost me at Six Flags. And, and the thing is, we, when you're lost, sometimes we need direction, right? And sometimes we... Don't know our direction because we don't wait on God. How many times are, do we try to stay a step above what God's doing? You know, God has designed it for us to stay behind him. He really has. He really has. But my, my thing is this. I always try to stay a step ahead or stay in step perfectly with God. But that's not the way that God designed it. See, David would say it like this. He leads me. He, what? 
besides what? Still waters. Oh, it's so much better when God leads us than when we try to lead ourselves. He leads me beside still waters. See, my problem is this. I'm always trying to be the driver in the driver's seat. And say, hey, Jesus, can you navigate over here for me? Will you just tell me where I need to go? And the truth of the matter is, he needs to be in the driver's seat. And I need to be in the back seat and just shut my mouth. There's nothing worse than a backseat driver. Come on. Right? There's nothing worse than when you're just driving along and your wife goes, ah! You know, some of you men know what I'm talking about. And, and you're like, what, 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 what? And she's like, I think I left the curling iron on. Well, what does that have to do with right now? You know? And something like that, my wife has done that to me. But this is what we need to know is Jesus needs to be in the driver's seat and we need to be in the back seat saying, hey, God, just lead and direct me. Take me where you need me to go. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this. It is the Lord who, what, goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. I think we heard that today. I think Sula said that today. Jesus said that in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, this is what the Lord's saying. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Let me give you a word of encouragement. God is before you. He is with you. In a time where Christians and non-Christians alike have seemed to have lost their directions and maybe even lost their minds. It's more important as us and as believers to get behind what God is doing. Leading, leading. And I say, Lord, lead me. And I say, Lord, I pray this, Lord, may the Lord lead you. And can I tell you this? He hasn't stopped, and he is moving forward. And can I tell you this? Stop walking in fear. Now, that's not, a, that's not a pointed statement. That's not a mask or a non-mask statement. But what I am saying there is stop allowing the enemy to lead you with fear. Either you believe that God will lead you down the right path or you don't. Stop walking in fear. Now, look at this. Now, I mentioned this a few weeks back when we first came. You remember the story of Joshua when they were at the, the Jordan River? And the scripture tells us there that, that uh, uh, Joshua had been instructed by the Lord. He said, when the, tell the people that when the priests go ahead, the Levite priests, and the ark is with them, and they move ahead, that is, the, that is your cue to get behind what God's doing and follow into the promised land. Interestingly enough, uh, he told them, he said, give them 2,000 cubits, 2,000 cubits. Give, give a half a mile distance between the Ark of the Covenant and the, and the priest and the people. Give a distance. Why would God do that? Can I tell you this? Sometimes we got to give God some space. Sometimes we got to learn to give God some space to work. See, this is what I know. In my life, I try to always stay right 
on the Lord's heels. There's nothing worse than when you're walking through the store. And this happened yesterday. Me and Tristan were walking to the store. And Novak was behind Tristan. And he stepped on her shoes, not once, not twice, but like three or four times consecutively, giving her a flat tire in her shoe. You know what I'm talking about. One of those things that irritates me that I need to go get in the presence of the Lord about. But God gives us his presence. And, I, and, I, and I, I want to tell you this. His presence gives us direction. When we're in his presence, it gives us direction. His presence gives direction. Everyone say that with me. His presence gives direction. Here's the second thing his, his presence gives us is this. Protection. Everyone say protection. The result of his presence with us is protection. Isaiah 52, 12 says this. For you shall not go out in haste. Whoa, that means slow it down, TJ. And you shall not go in flight. That tells you you better not get on American Airlines flight right now. I'm just kidding. That's not what that means. For the Lord will what? Go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. I don't know about you. But I like that. Not only does God go before us and lead us in direction, but he stays behind us to give us protection. That's right. I love that right there. He goes before us. Now listen, the King James Version says, it, 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 this is a, a weird word, and I'm going to have you say it, re-reward. Everyone say re-reward. That's a lot of RRs, right? And, 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 and I had a speech impediment as a kid, and that's really hard for me. Re-reward. Everyone say it with me. Re-reward. That's the King James Version. And what that means is God's got your back. He's leading you in the front, and he's also got you in the back. He's got that. He, he's got you. I, I remember, uh, how many remember the story when, when, when uh, uh, Moses and the children of Israel made it to the Red Sea? And you remember the haste that the Israelites had. They're like, oh, you know, Pharaoh's coming after us. The sea's in front of us. What are we going to do? And they begin to, to kind of whine and cry. Kind of sounds like us when, when we get caught between a, a hard spot and we forget that God is leading us and God's got our back. And what did God do? It, the scripture tells us that there was a pillar between Pharaoh and the children of Israel. God had their back. Can I tell you this? God will cover your rear if you let him. That's, you ought to put that on Twitter. God will cover your rear if you let him. He's got your front. He's got your back. He goes before you. He is behind you. I remember when I was in high school, I, I went to a very small school in Missouri. Well, I wasn't in high school. Matter of fact, I was in junior high. Our school was so small that our junior high and high school were combined, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about here, right? It was a rural school. And uh, in the process of going to, I, was, I believe I was in seventh grade. My brother was an upperclassman. I believe he was a, a junior, maybe. I don't remember, but he was older than me. He was definitely in high school. And I remember one time I had some guys confront me and my friend in the locker room, and there was no one else in the locker room, and, and they confronted me over an issue, and I won't talk about that issue. It was over a girl. Anyways, um, and so they confronted me in the locker room, and they, one of the kids was in my class, and the other kid was, a, was definitely a, a sophomore, and he, he was a big kid, and he came in, and he thought he was going to intimidate me, which he did. 
And I remember he backed me, me and my friend in the corner. And I remember thinking, oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And just like this, this is how God works. This is so cool. Just like this, in the middle of being in the locker room, for whatever reason in the world, I don't know why, but here comes the principal of the school into the locker room. God's got your rear. And he walked in and he said, come on, gentlemen, you guys need to get out of here. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And I'll never forget, what did I do when I got out of that locker room? You know what I did? I went and found my brother. And I said, hey, this is what's going on. He said, I'll take care of it. And I was like, yeah. And I'll never forget, that kid wouldn't even look at me in the hallway from that point on. My brother set him straight. He said, that's my brother. And he said, if you mess with him, if you mess with my brother, if you try to intimidate him again, listen, fire's going to rain down. We're kind of like that. We're a skiles. We're clannish. We'll, 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 we'll stick together. But God has your back. He is your re-reward. There are times, how many have made bad decisions? Am I the only one? How many have made some bad decisions? How many didn't discern the Lord's voice correctly? Maybe you've been there. Can I tell you this? It's okay. He's ahead of you, and he's behind you. So look at this. This is beautiful because, uh, you know, in this story, Moses, who's on the mountain, and God's downloading all this information, and Israel's doing this, and God gets to this point that he's ready to wipe out the children of Israel, and, and Moses begins to intercede on behalf of the people of Israel, and he begins to pray, and he says, God, you don't want to kill these people. What would Egypt say if you, if you killed Israel? They, they would say, well, you brought them out of Egypt just to kill them in the desert. So God's like, well, I'm not going to lead you into the promised land. I'm going to send an angel, and I'm just going to let the angel lead you guys into the promised land. And, and, and Moses begins to intercede, and he begins to seek the Lord, and he says, hey, Lord, you know, you ought to do it. And, and God, he turns the tides. It's amazing that when you're in the presence of the Lord and you begin to intercede on behalf of somebody, what God will do. It really is. Listen. And here's what we need to know. And, 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 and can I tell you this? Stop second-guessing God's, protect, God's protection on your life and just trusting. Now, that's easier said than done, right? We, we know that. Sometimes we, we think, oh, I, this is out of control. This moment is out of control in my life. I don't know how to do this. Just trust the Lord. Listen to this. In Exodus 14, 14, when we go back to where, where Moses and the children of Israel at, are at the Red Sea, remember what God said this. Now, he said this, and I like this translation, the message translation. It, it blew me away. I was reading this, and God just said, you need to look at the message translation. God will fight the battle for you, and you, you keep your mouth shut. That's a strong way to say it. But can, and, and the other translations say, God will fight your battles. You only be still. You know, you only have to be still. But can I tell you this? Sometimes we're too busy doing this, and God's like, I will take care of this if you will just be quiet. God help us, right? God help us. 
And so, remember there, the children of Israel, they're all complaining, they're all whining, and they're all upset. And they're like, God just brought us here, out here, so we'll have to die. And God's like, I will take care of this, just be quiet. Kind of like some of, our, some of you parents sometimes. I need you to be quiet while we're in the drive-thru. Some of you know my pain, right? All right. I don't know, maybe there's something that we can learn from that. There is a scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Shut your mouth. Watch God fight and protect you on your behalf. See, Israel watched Pharaoh and his armies get drowned by the Red Sea, and God is your re-reward. He's got your front. He's got your back. His presence brings protection. Here's number three. The result of his presence. Number three, satisfaction. Everyone say satisfaction. And I'm not talking about McJagger here, okay? Thank you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Two of you. All right. Did you know that Moses would stay on Mount Sinai for 40 days and his face would glow? And, and in that 40 days, he would fast. He would, he would fast in, that, in those 40 days is what Scripture tells us. Uh, everyone said, oh, the fast word. That's comforting. But can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? Get this. This, this when, I, when I was studying this, get this. He didn't fast to see the Lord. He was in the presence of the Lord that he wasn't satisfied and just forgot to eat. He didn't fast so he could see the Lord. He was just in the presence of the Lord long enough that it, the things of earth didn't really matter how many of you remember on you going on your first date and most of you on your first date you probably went somewhere to eat really nice like applebee's i'm joking okay i'm joking somewhere like that and maybe you went on a date and how many of you just when you got your food just ate everything on your plate anybody maybe some of you men did but most women Probably just ate, ordered the biggest thing they could get, and ate a small amount of it. Why? Because, you know, they just were excited to be there. And just being in the presence of this person that you're on a date with mattered more than you eating at Applebee's. <laughs> Check this out. The real key... Now listen to this, and we're going to talk about something that the presence of the Lord does here. The real key to dealing with fleshly appetites, the way to handle fl the flesh is don't deal with the flesh. Now that was profound, whether you realize it or didn't say it. Well, it sounded like you just repeated yourself. And the way to handle the flesh is don't deal with the flesh. Listen to this. In his presence, you begin to lose your appetite for fleshly things. When you're in the presence of the Lord, things of earth, there's a song, grow strangely dim. They're not important anymore. What you thought was super important becomes irrelevant. When you're in the presence of the Lord, sometimes when you've been in the presence of the Lord, you lose time of the clock. And you forget to eat or you forget to do this. And, and, and can I tell you this? The closer that you get to God, the things of the flesh are consumed. 
Don't believe me? This is what, this is what Deuteronomy 4.24 says. God is a consuming fire. And as we spiritually grow closer to God, the things, the fleshly things that we carry cannot survive and they begin to die. That's why God told Moses on, up on Mount Sinai, hey, you can't see me because you will die physically if you see me. Your flesh can't handle what's about to come down. So you can see my backside and that is it. See, when we are saved or we have spent time in his presence our desires should change. Our fleshly habits, things that we thought were important, soon become irrelevant. See, this is what I know. Our, when our desires change, we don't want to go watch that movie because it may not be wholesome anymore. Because I don't want to offend the Lord. I don't want to open my eyes to something fleshly that's going to cause something to come between me and the Lord. What about this? You don't want to go to that place anymore because it's unwholesome and it's not good for your walk with God. As we grow closer to God, the closer you get to him, the more you really start to repent and say, God, I, I'm sorry. And maybe there are things that you say that, that maybe most people will look at and say, that's not really a sin. But maybe you just you feel the, the, the conviction of, of God as you get closer to him. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Joy, we, what do we know about the word joy? Is this, joy is given from God. Happy, the word happy, you can be a happy person, but can I tell you where the word happy comes from? It's the root for happenings. Happenings, that means if you're happy, something has happened. So, what do we know about something happening? If something good has happened to you, that makes you happy. But that also means that if something bad happens to you, that happiness can revert back to Sadness, but joy comes from God, and it's not based on anything that's happening other than God just gives it to you. What's happening in the world doesn't change your joy because it comes from a direct line from God. God gives us joy. Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and Joy in the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? It's in the presence of God. And God gives shining in your face, a warmth in your heart, satisfaction for your soul. The only way to satisfaction is to experience the presence of the Lord. I got news for Mick Jagger. You can get some satisfaction. It's from Jesus Christ. His presence gives us direction, it gives us protections, it gives us satisfaction. Here's, here's the second point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come down. The reason for his presence. The reason for his presence. Everyone say the reason for his presence. We know the results of his presence with us, so the reason for his presence, so we're kind of learning this backwards. In Exodus 33, Moses becomes the mediator for the children of Israel. He becomes the person that talks between God and the people of Israel. Because I believe if God would have talked directly to the people of Israel, he would have said, I'm fed up with you. And, and, and some would say, oh, Moses the mediator? Can I tell you this? Uh, who put the heart 
as a mediator in Moses, it, it was God. It was God. God did. God found a way to bless them in spite of their lack of spirituality. How many times have we been less than spiritual in our lives, but God has opened the windows of heaven over your life? How many times have you messed up and, and you made grave mistakes and you've, you've done things and you've, you've just blown it and you know you've blown it and God's given you blessing after blessing after blessing and you thought, man, I really don't deserve this. Are you glad that God blesses us, you and me, in spite of our lack of spirituality? I am. And it gave God an excuse not to wipe out the whole nation. Moses is a mediator to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. But listen to this. Listen to this. Moses is a mediator in the Old Testament, but listen to this. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. It says, for there is one God. Everyone say one God. There is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Can I tell you something? We have a mediator, and the mediator is Jesus Christ, and he is the great mediator. If Moses can turn the tide for the people of Israel, think about what the Son of God can do when he talks to God. Think about that for a moment. Can I tell you something? We have, we have a mediator. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the great mediator. But listen to this. Moses, look at this. Moses is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament here. He really is. He's a picture of, of Jesus in the Old Testament. But listen to this. Look at the similarities between Moses and Jesus here. This, this blew my mind when I was studying this. This blew my mind. I think this will blow air up your skirt today. All right? Listen to this. says this. Both of them. Both men, born Jews. Oh, that's not really that big of a coincidence, TJ. Okay, both were born Jews. Both were born, and Israel was in bondage to a foreign nation. Moses, when he was born, they were under Egyptian control. When Jesus was born, they were under the the influence of the Roman Empire. Listen to this. When they were both born, mass killings of babies. Satan used the leaders to destroy in order to kill all the young male babies. Moses, Pharaoh did it. Jesus, Herod did it. And both survived. Moses was laid in a straw basket without shelter. Jesus was laid in a manger without shelter. Moses, Jehochabad, and Amram, which is Moses' parents, said he was the fairest. Can I tell you what the scripture says about Jesus? It says he is the fairest of 10,000. And wise men came, and shepherds came, and they worshipped him. Moses was rejected by his brothers. Jesus was rejected by his brothers. Moses was rejected, and he went off to the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was rejected and spent 40 days in the desert. Moses was the shepherd for his father-in-law's sheep. Jesus was the good shepherd raised up for his father's sheep. Moses was uh, raised up to, liber- to be the liberator for the Jews. Jesus was raised up to be the liberator for all people, you and me. 
Moses knew they wouldn't believe, and God used him to do great miracles. Jesus was the first in the New Testament to have signs and wonders follow him so they would believe. Moses sent out 12 spies out to, to, out to spy the promised land. Jesus had 12 disciples to follow him, and he would later send them out to change the world and flip it upside down. Moses washed his feet, the feet of Aaron and his sons. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and glows from the glory of God. Jesus goes up to Mount Hermon, and he is transfigured and shines brighter than the sun. Moses constructed the tabernacle. Jesus is the tabernacle. Moses, when he finished the tabernacle, declared, it is finished. Jesus on the cross would declare, it is finished. Moses, the people would go into the promised land after he died. We have access to go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. Moses was seen alive on the mountain of transfiguration, and Jesus was seen again after his death by his disciples. Can I tell you this? I could go on. There's 75 different points, but you get the picture here. Moses, a mediator for the people of Israel. Can I tell you this? Jesus is the mediator for you and me today. He's the one that's holding back wrath. Say, no, this is, this is my child. This is one of ours. My presence will go with you and you'll have rest. It's what our, our verse said today. Because of our link to our great mediator, Jesus Christ, we have access to something. I don't know if you're hearing me today, but we have access because of the great mediator, Jesus Christ. We have access to the Holy of Holies. We have access to the presence of God. Listen, in the tabernacle in the desert, Moses and them only a certain group of people could go into the Holy of Holies. But can I tell you now, the scripture tells us in the Hebrews, come boldly to the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In Matthew 28, verse 20 says this, and this is Jesus saying this, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of of the earth. Can I tell you, Jesus' presence will be with you in your low times. In the times where it seems insurmountable and impossible, his presence is with you. Jesus said that, lo, I'm with you always. I understand. Sometimes you, you're down. But let me tell you something. I am there. I am leading you. I am behind you. I am your re-reward. I've got your back. Isaiah 41 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. How many need strength in the house today? I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What's that say? God's got you in, your, in his hand. Jacob wrestled with the Lord. And he named the place Bethel, which means this, the house of God. And I can't help but think that the church and the people of God need to wrestle with the Lord again and get back into his presence and make this place a Bethel. Not this building, this place. Make this place a Bethel. 
You say, oh, TJ, I'm not spiritual. I'm just a worm. I've got a verse for you too. Isaiah 41, 14 says this. Fear not, you worm. Jacob, I am your redeemer. Time and time again, God lets us know to not be afraid. He is with us. Psalms 139, 5-7 says this. You are before me and you are behind me. Romans 8.38 tells us this, that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? It's not about your spirituality. It's about the mediator, Jesus Christ. It's not about your works. It's about the mediator, Jesus Christ. To get into the presence of the Lord, you're going to have to have the mediator, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus comes to earth. He lives a sinless life, was slain on the cross for your sins and mine. And then he rose from the dead and conquered your sins and mine. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this is what we know. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for you and me. He's sitting there saying, hey, that TJ, he needs some help. But I love him, and I've got plans. So if you could just give him another chance. If you could just give him another chance. Well, you might say, hey, I've done some vile things. And I say this, God's grace is sufficient. (laughs) I don't care what you've done. God's grace is sufficient. You say, well, I've got some guilt for some sins. Can I tell you this? The scripture tells us his load is easy and his burden is light. You You may say you aren't ready to commit your life to him. And I say this. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He is the great mediator. Christ, the mediator for our sins, has paid the price so we can have a relationship with the Father. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. God's law demands a price for your sins. But can I tell you this? Jesus paid the bill. And today he's inviting you into his presence. The reason that we have access to his presence is because Christ is the great mediator. Come on, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Say, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you've heard me talk about how he's the great mediator and how he has a plan for you and how he loves you and how he goes before you and how he is behind you and how he wants to give you protection. Can I tell you it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's not just a ritual that you do. It is a relationship with him. In his presence, there's fullness of joy is what the scripture tells us. And under the sound of my voice, you say, "I, I need to know this great mediator, Jesus Christ, as my personal Savior, I want to give you the opportunity, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, in the building, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Would you, just by the showing of your hand, no one looking around, just, just me, I just want to pray with you. Anybody in the building don't know Jesus Christ, come on, anybody in the building, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. It's the best decision you'll ever make. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. All right. If you're here and you're under the sound of my voice, can you say this? I'm hungry for the presence of the Lord. 
I've grown stagnant in my relationship with him. I, I need God to stir my heart again. I need him to stir up the gift within me. I need him to move on my behalf. I need to spend some time in his presence. The things that, that, that shouldn't bother me are bothering me. And I need to just, just spend some time in the presence of the Lord because I know this, that when I'm in his presence, I will be changed. If that's you, anybody in the building, would you lift your hand? Thank you, thank you. Hands going up everywhere. I, I'm not even going to just thank you. Thank you for all the hands going up all across this. Will you do this? Will you stand with me all across this building? I'm going to ask them to sing, sing this song. And I wish I could tell you that me personally could could invite the presence of the Lord in, in t- for you but you're responsible for your relationship with God not me what are you saying I'm saying this you're going to have to make the effort to be in the presence of God you're going to have to make the effort I, I know that's not easy I know that may be difficult I may, that may be a struggle for you But they're going to sing this song. And in this moment, I believe, I honestly believe that God is going to just enamor us with with, with his presence. I've I've just felt this in my heart, okay? I've just felt this in my heart. And the scripture tells us, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You'll get what you put into this today. Okay? You'll get what you put into this today. So they're going to sing this song. Will Will you stretch your hands towards heaven? God, we seek you. God, we seek you. Lord, we want to know you. God, will you let your presence, God, saturate us? Will you let your presence fall in this place? Holy Spirit, begin to just move and minister. God, we need a fresh touch of your anointing. God, we need your presence to pass by this place, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus, the great mediator. God, remind us of what he did on Calvary, Lord, and how we have access to you. God, forgive us for taking your presence for granted. Today, Lord, we repent. Lord, we repent. Come on, let's worship him.
On, Lord, will you show us your glory, Lord? Come on, show us, Lord. Come on, sing it out. Come on, church.
listen to this. Exodus 33, 17 says, The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, verse 18, he said this, Then show me your glorious presence. Hmm. Can that be our heart's cry as a church and as a people? Can that be our heart's cry? God, show us your presence. Verse 19 would go on to say, the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Can I tell you today, because of Jesus Christ, he shows mercy and he shows compassion to you. And that ought to get you excited today. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory, Lord. Come on, raise your hands. I want to bless you today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace this week. Come on, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. Oh, it's so good to be in service together today. I pray that you guys have had just a blessed Thanksgiving week, and we're thankful for you're here and you're back with us. We just have a couple of quick announcements. There is a ladies' Christmas craft night. The final day for sign up is today. You got to get your name on the list, and you got to pay your money. So, if you don't have cash. There's a little debit card back there. Get that done, but come to that because it's a lot of fun. It's always fun when we're together. It's even more fun when we throw in hot glue guns and paint and whatever else we're crafting, right? Craft night's fun. And then also we have Beyond the Broken Heart this Tuesday night at 7. If you or somebody that you know could benefit from this ministry, it's a wonderful time to share and just to open up with one another. Please come. Um, heal your hearts before this Christmas season um, and be a little stronger as you go through it. Um, believe that was it. All right. Thank you all so much. We love you. Oh, visitors. Sorry. I'm not used to doing this. Oh, visitors. <laughs> There's visitor cards in the front of your chair. Please fill one of those out and take it to back to the welcome desk and they have a gift for you. And